Since 1971, Beautio Books has specialized in ornithology and natural history. They're a small, family-owned and operated mail-order bookstore with the largest selection of new, used, and rare birding and ornithology books in the world and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Find field guides, travel guides, ornithology, natural history, humor, even children's books to inspire the next generation's love of nature. Visit beautyobooks.com to find everything you're looking for, and ABA members receive 10% off. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I'm your host, Nate Swick. We do have kind of a long one today, so I'm going to try and keep it short up at the top. But I do want to thank all of you who made donations to the ABA's end-of-year appeal. You helped us achieve one of our best years ever of fundraising, uh, certainly since I've been involved in the organization. Your contributions will definitely help us in the coming year and allow us to do more exciting things, particularly free stuff like the podcast and What's the Spread Live and other things like that. We may be able to up the production quality on a few of them. Anyway, I just wanted to offer my personal thanks to those of you who donated or joined the ABA because of the podcast. It's a really great feeling to know that you appreciate what we are doing here. So without further ado, let me jump into the episode. Ted Floyd, birding editor, is back with a special Random Birds from Uganda, a nation that we have both visited and need very little prompt to sing praises for. All that after this week's Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the second week of January 2022. After catching up with three weeks worth of rarities last week, we were perhaps due for a shorter segment this week. Though the northern lapwing mini-movement I mentioned last time is slowly creeping south with a bird found recently in Virginia Beach, Virginia, this is the first in the state since that big eruption in 2012, about the third or fourth overall. There's been some speculation based on photos that this could be one of the birds that was recently in New Jersey, though at this time that is just a theory. It's not all that far as the lapwing flies, though, across the Chesapeake Bay. It is always a big deal when an ivory gull from the far north dips down into the lower 48, and one did so this past week in Duluth, Minnesota. Birders on the Wisconsin side of the St. Louis River in Superior were graced with the bird's presence as well, so a two-for-one. That's all I have for you this week. If you want the entire roundup, you can check out the Rare Bird Alert on Fridays at aba.org RBA, or to get those rarities as soon as they happen, check out the ABA's Rare Bird Alert on Facebook. My ABA colleague and frequent podcast guest, Ted Floyd, just returned a few weeks ago from a fam trip to Uganda, the Pearl of Africa, for the African Bird Fair, which just so happens to be a place that I've been as well on an earlier incarnation of that very same trip. So we thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about all of that in our regular random birds segment. So per usual, before I get too deep into this, hello, Ted, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Nate. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking about something other than uh, North Carolina and Colorado for yeah, a, a yeah. change here. Go. Well, look, uh, look, uh, fate has thrown us uh, a line here. We might as well, we might as well take it. Um, I, I assume you're back. You're back now. You have been for several weeks. You've managed the whole COVID situation. I know travel in these this day and age is. Uh, quite an ordeal, much different than it was than I went five years ago. Yeah, and I imagine that as we chitter chatter here, that will be sort of a uh, sort of a recurring uh, sort of theme of <laughs> yeah. comparison there, because the um, the pandemic um, cautions uh, were. Um, 
pervasive, as you can yeah. imagine, not only with humans, but um, for example, with uh, primate viewing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that the uh, pandemic precautions were more carefully and thoughtfully enforced around non-human primates than anywhere I've seen with humans. Well, it makes <laughs> the sense. There are far fewer of them than there are. There, there are far fewer of them. And of course, they there are special risks uh, involved yeah. with, uh, with the non-human primates as well. But it was curious to me, although again, it makes sense that we were probably more seriously restricted in our activities around non-humans uh, than at any point in the past two years with humans. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we could talk a little bit more about that as we go. Um, sure. But, 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 you know, we're going to do the regular random birds. Yep. Uh, remember, let's remember some birds format here. What I have done is I've taken my list from five years ago, 2016, when I traveled to Uganda, and uh, compared it to Ted's list from just last year. And we found all the common species on it. Um, Ted, you, you sent me a list with, uh, let me check again, exactly how many species were on it. Something like 300 and, 357 was your total okay. list, which is which is not a bad, which is a great total for you know ten yeah, so, twelve so, days of burning, right? So I mean, including travel, which was considerable, <laughs> three days to get there, two days to get back, so sort of five mm-hmm. days right there. Uh, it was a nineteen day um, excursion, and yeah. um, several days were taken up with a, a conference that I suspect we'll talk about, yeah. uh, and then as I said, several more days with travel. But yeah, a pretty sort of a solid you know two weeks of burning. Yeah. So. Um, my list, which was more or less the same places, I don't, I don't want to brag here, Ted, but my total came to 425 species. All right. <laughs> um, would you like to wager, would you like to guess how many species we had in common? Yeah, that's interesting. So you said 425 and like three... 357. 357. Mm-hmm. So you I did the same route, more or less the same. Yeah. Places. So I would guess there was quite a bit of um, overlap there. I'll say... 295 in common. Well, and that's not bad. Uh, 313. Oh, wow. So common. Quite, quite a bit of overlap. Pretty well, okay. yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I think that my group, we were fortunate to have in uh, my van uh, a couple people that I was birding with who had a fair bit of experience mm-hmm. in Africa. Uh-huh. Um, Ethan Kistler, who worked oh, yeah. for a long time at BirdLife Africa, and Aiden, Adrian Benz, oh, yeah. um, who lives in Philadelphia now and is from Africa. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that helped us a lot. We picked up a lot of kind of little incidental things here and there uh, yes. that I think really uh, that that that's probably the difference there. Um, but in any case, you know, 313 species in common. We have a long way to go. I've taken, mm-hmm. I've, I've fired up the old random number generator, and we will uh, take a crack at uh, at finding birds. I do want to say before we get started on that that there are some birds that are very special to Uganda. And if we do not come up with those birds on our random number generator, I just might goose the random number generator a little bit. Sure. So we can talk a little bit about yeah, maybe, right, Yeah. And, as usual, we're winging it as we go here. But yeah, sure. maybe after uh, five random birds, we could have five iconic birds that we have to talk go. about or something, there you something go. That's like not that. Bad. Cool. Right, there you right. go. Okay, cool. So um, yeah, let's, let's jump right into it. Here we go. Uh, random number generator, do your thing. Uh, 217. So firmly right there in the middle. I'm going to scroll a little bit. That is, oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So I, I, one of the problems with this potentially is that <laughs> there are so many birds that obviously you remember the iconic ones, but there are birds here and there that I don't know that I remember all that much. <laughs> I, I this is, this is, is one of them. This is, okay. What bird is that? It this might is be. wire-tailed swallow. Do you remember wire-tailed swallow? Yeah. So... Um, 
Well, so the wire-tailed swallow is um, one of a, a handful of birds uh, from Uganda that I actually ha- I had had previous um, experience with. It's mm-hmm. fairly widespread, actually, in the um, in the Paleoarctic. I'm oh, sorry, in the in the old world. I shouldn't say the Paleo- yeah, it really is. I, I need to I need to watch out for that word. But yeah, it's in, in, you know the, the old world, yeah. <laughs> all of the birding world except for the Americas. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it's sort of a, a barn swallow type job, um, and yeah. but it's got these wild. Um, I'm not sure which retrices they are, but two, two of the, I, I think two of the outermost, they may well be R6, I'm not sure, but you know, two of the outermost feathers are, um, they're barely visible. They're just these, yeah, these, 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 these microfiber, they yeah. call them wire tail, but they're, they're like thinner than like most wires you, you like would a, think of. Like, this, like a stringed instrument, like the really yeah, tiny or, strings or, on a stringed uh, instrument. Uh, yeah, I was even like a human hair or something. They're yeah. so thin. Uh, yeah, so so wire-tailed swallow is a bird that we sort of uh, encountered here and there. I, I, yes. I And I, I hate to sort of just sort of generalize it with our familiar barn swallow, but it is sort of an aerial barn it's swallow-like swallow that yeah. perches on wires and chitters uh, m- musically. So um, it was sort of yeah. a here and there bird. Um, yeah, I'm looking at my list and um, it looks like I saw we saw several of them on our trip um, just kind of along the roads. And so a lot of my eBird locations are lat long as opposed to uh, sites in particular. Mm-hmm. So I was picking them up around. So yeah, like a barn swallow type thing. Yep. And hey, but by the way, just say, so, yeah, I know this wasn't exactly where we thought the conversation was going, but it's, it's curious that, no, 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 I mean, that we started sorry, with sorry. A, um, a sort of a, uh, I would say a highly non-iconic bird. Yeah. This isn't in yeah. any way, shape or form a Ugandan or even East African endemic or even an African endemic. It's actually a quite widespread bird. So it'd be a little bit like, you know, going to, you know, if we were doing this activity in Ecuador, like the first bird we got was, you know, tropical kingbird, you know, it's, oh yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it goes to show, you know, you're in a, in a relatively new place. I mean, this for me, this was the first time that I had ever birded Africa, and still the only time that I had birded the African continent. And um, though I, I had been in India a few years ago, and I note that white-tailed swallow is quite common in India sure. as well. I don't recall whether I saw it then or not. I'd have to look at my India-specific list. But even these kind of common birds when you're going to a, a new place are are very exciting. And, and I love those first few days in a new country where everything everything is cool before yeah. it gets kind of ubiquitous and and normal and the sort of thing you you ignore on your eBird checklist to to focus on the other things that you want to see so all right i'll hit the generator again 19 up to the top here we go we could have a good one here all right maybe not african green pigeon that's a pretty good one yeah so that's a um that's a, a beautiful <laughs> oops, uh, green green pigeon. I don't know how else to uh, yeah. how else to describe it. Well named. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a large bird. It moves sort of lumberingly through the the, the foliage. Um, in my experience, sort of conveniently or inconveniently. Um, uh, out of view of the the, the camera, yes, I have I have lots of I have lots of great yeah. photos of the undertail coverts and the head, yeah. but not the rest of the body. Yeah. And it's funny because it's a sort of sloth like pigeon. You you think mm-hmm. it would you know eventually come out into the open, but I uh, I had no such luck with that bird. It's it's a beautiful bird. Yeah. It's just it's just this as you said, it's a very well named bird. It's green. It does have a lot of sort of uh, other highlights on it, but mm-hmm. basically it's 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 just this. Uh, verdant you know grass green from from head to tail and it's a it's definitely one of those birds that when you look in the field guide and you get really excited about Mm -hmm. it um going to this place and and seeing that it's actually quite common and then you know reality kind of hits you in the face when it's it it is a bird that spends most of its time way up in the top of the top of the trees and you pretty much just get that sort of look at the bird every time instead of that kind of 
full frame in your face kind of look that you expect from a bird yeah. that's as, as flashy and as beautiful as, as a green pigeon is. And so something I'll mention, it, it's common. I mean, it was yeah, quite, yeah. or at least in the parts of Uganda where you were, and I don't know if we've actually mm-hmm. mentioned this to the group yet, but so both yeah. Nate and I were in the, the Western part of, uh, of the country. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't really speak to the um, frequency of African green pigeons in Eastern Uganda. I'm, I'm guessing they're a lot less common because that part of the country is a lot less forested, yeah. but uh, we encountered them. I could have to check my notes, but yeah, you know, I'd say, you know, daily or close to daily. Yeah. Um, that's what my list, uh, my list says as well. Um, nearly daily every other day or so at least. Um, yeah. So, so our route, I don't know if this is true of yours as well. Um, we were in, in we flew into Entebbe, which is uh, the suburb of the capital. It's where the big airport is. And then you go out to Mabamba swamp and then you go down to Lake Mburu and then way down to Bawindi, where the mountain gorillas are, and then kind of up to Kabali and Murchison Falls, and then back around. It's a big circle through the uh, southeast part of the of the country that kind of peaks at the top at Murchison Falls, yep. um, which is where the Nile goes through this big cataract where it's a right, you know, massive right. waterfall that goes before it goes up and you know famously goes through North Africa into through Sudan and into Egypt. Yep. Uh, so it sounds like our itineraries were practically the, I think the same, most yeah. people who travel to that country for birding do more or less that same itinerary you know it hits it hits a lot of the high points you see a ton of birds uh as you know and then you go out and you see the gorillas which is a big mm-hmm. selling point for uganda and the chimpanzees as well and um you know a couple of the big national parks um where mammaling is as good as mm-hmm. the birding and yeah I, I think most people who have been to uganda have been on that route that we're, we're, we're that we're discussing yeah, it seems like the sort of, I don't know, the, yeah. uh, the, 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 the normative, you know, the, the, the sort of the standard uh, tour. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to do one more random number generator, and then uh, we're going to do an iconic species that gets a special, okay, a special cool. shout out. So 288, back down to the bottom. Red-billed quelia. This is a good one. <laughs> Not a yeah. Uganda specialty again at all, but it's a very neat bird and sort of famous for being uh, the most abundant or thought to be for a long time, the most abundant species of bird in the world. Yeah. And I think it, um, it may still well um, sort of hold that, that, that claim uh, it sort of depends on when you start to look at density of colonies of Wilson storm petrels and stuff like yeah. that. But, but uh, yeah, you do typically see quealy as it's, it's odd, like, like in flocks of one or like flocks of a billion. And we didn't yeah. see, we, we didn't, we didn't see the flocks of, uh, yeah. of billions, but yeah, the, so the red-billed quealia is, um, I might be a little outside my, my uh, area of comfort here, but I think it's, it's one of the astrilled finches, I, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's one it's of those, arrowy thing. Yeah. It's, it's small. It's like really, really small. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, a lot of the, in the uh, United States and Canada, you know, sort of the, the pet store finches are, are yeah. in this big group, and the quelia is um, is one of them. And uh, there's several kinds of quelia, and the red billed is this one that's just super abundant. I think, especially sort of a little bit to the north and uh, west of Uganda, you get these mm-hmm. gargantuan flocks. Yes, um, Queen Elizabeth National Park is the one where. Well, no, no. So I meant like north and west of the country. Oh, northwest, like yeah, way yeah, up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although the bird gets down Depo to South or, Africa, so yeah. it, I mean it's widespread. Um, but yeah, so we saw you know ones and twos and a few flocks of hundreds, um, and um, so sort of every time we saw them, I think I and the other uh, folks in the uh, tour were thinking about the uh, the famous flocks, you know, numbering up into the nine figures or 10 yeah, figures or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I'm looking at my eBird checklist and um, yeah, we did encounter it several times, much in the same way that you did, but we did have one day in uh, Queen Elizabeth national park uh, where we, with a total came to 5,135 on our checklist, which seems awfully precise. 
Oh, rounding um, to the nearest five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I do, I do distinctly remember that day and the way the Quilias just kept coming. It wasn't like one of those big flocks like you see on the nature documentaries and things like that. But it was like just constant five, ten flying Mm. by over and over and over and over over a long period over the entire day. And uh, yeah, that's how you get to five thousand one hundred thirty-five if you you count by tens and fives. (laughs) That's right. That's cool. All right, so let's do an iconic species. I'm going to job the uh, job the random number generator a little bit, and I'm uh-huh. going to go to uh, number seventy-two, okay. which is a shoe bill. Oh yes, <laughs> tell us about the, your shoe bill experience. Yeah, so I mean, I'll back up a step here and say that probably uh, shoe bill is the bird associated with Uganda and birders' eyes more than any other bird yeah. on earth. It certainly occurs elsewhere. And from what I gather, it's actually um. It's probably more common in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say more common, more numerous. I guess it's the same thing in Tanzania than in um, than in uh, Uganda. But so it's a um, it kind of looks like a a, pel- uh, a a heron, although it's related it's, to pe- it's related yeah. to pelicans, and um, it's called the shoe bill because its bill looks like this monster old shoe. Yeah, like one the, of those d- one of those wooden Dutch. Yeah, right, r- right, and um, I, I guess t- to me the coolest part of the, the, the our shoe bill encounter we had by the way just one um yeah but it was such a great view that you know we didn't have a need we to had go two see. two um, individual birds one seen really well and one flying yeah, sort of yeah, in the distance yeah but the, the, the cool part of the our shoe bill encounter was so it required um small boats to, to get out yes. uh, to, to, to see it sort of in the um like the, the backwaters of lake victoria and um there were you know tourists from 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 the north our, our group and, and other people who looked like they were from you know europe or um or China or Japan or the United States or Canada, there were out, so many people just out looking at shoe bills. I mean, it was sort of, you know, as if it, we were just, you know, out at, I don't know, Central Park looking at people playing Frisbee or something <laughs> like, like, like that. So the, uh, the the shoe bill is a, it's just, it's a, seeing the shoe bill is a really popular thing to do. Yeah. Um, whether you're from Colorado or, or North Carolina or whether you're from, you know, Kampala or Entebbe. Uh, and uh, there were just an awful lot of people out there looking at shoe bills. It's definitely one of those birds that is unlike anything else on the planet. And, you know, and, and it is, is goofy looking. It is Muppety looking. It is the subject of a lot of memes on uh, on the Internet. If you go look for it, I think there's even a Twitter uh, a Twitter. Oh yeah, uh, sh- is, sh- yeah, sh- shoe bill hours, and it's got like out, yes. you know, millions of followers, <laughs> something like that. But it's like a really, really popular site at Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's just a cool bird, and as you say, that the experience is so fantastic. Um, you know, just just being in those little dugout wooden boats and cruising through Mabamba Swamp, which is you know, you think of a swamp, it's more like a papyrus kind of Everglades-y type situation with all these little channels and stuff between these big mats of papyrus that are on either side and there's tons of other birds around lots of cool waterfowl and jacana and herons and african fish eagles all over the place and and all sorts of really amazing things and then you're but you're looking for this this one bird and sometimes it can take a really long time to find it took us like two two three hours of cruising through these channels all over the place and of course we were in several boats and we all kind of went in different directions to try and find this bird. And everyone was in contact by shortwave radio, with oh, yeah. little radios. And once we finally found one, like everyone like turns around and heads to the exact spot. And there you go. There's a shoe bill just kind of wandering through the short papyrus. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it moves slow. It's not like a, it's, it's sort of like a heron in the way that it moves, but it's also kind of clunky and awkward. 
it's um it's a really hard bird to describe just like the sort of the experience of watching this thing one thing about the uh the shoe bill that uh, i guess i'd seen in photos and mm-hmm. t- twitter and, and elsewhere but it was really striking in, in in person or in bird anyhow in real life was um the color of the bird yeah. it's just like kind of like weird like uh I don't know, like dull off purple, <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, at a distance, I guess it's gray, but it has these really kind of you know intense, you know, sort of purplish sheens to it um, as well. So that was yeah, cool. it, and it's got this little top knot on the top, y- of it, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, which is such a weird thing. Yeah. I, I know that you could talk about it forever. It, it's massive, for instance. It, for it's starters. a big bird, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not quite the size of a marabou, but I mean, it's yeah. in that it's in that category. It, it's bigger it's than a great blue heron for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course, and so much uh, and more bulky, stocky yeah. than that great blue. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just a neat bird, neat experience, and um, it's it's practically two three hour, not if that even drive from Entebbe from the like the place where you put in at Mabamba Swamp is a short drive from yeah. the hotel. As like it's a really convenient bird for for someone who's coming to Uganda for the first time. Like you, you're surprised by how close it is to uh, to everything. I, I would argue it's even closer to at least the western suburbs of Kampala. See, we, yeah. Like like probably like you, we we stopped for birding on on the way. Mm-hmm. But I think if you just went straight to the dock, yeah. And if you were sort of strategically located on the uh, the western outskirts of um, Kampala. Yeah, I, mean, I want to say two hours or an hour and forty five minutes. I, I mean, somebody, somebody from Uganda is going to call and say I got that wrong, but it, it was not all that far <laughs> no um, it, yeah. at all. But yeah. So, so I have a, I have a question for you. Where you the dock where you put in for the shoe bill? Was there a big like weaver colony there, like a yeah. massive weaver colony in the tree there? There, there were several um, yeah. there. I mean, there were I, I recall there were village weavers, which is sort yeah. of the, the ubiquitous weaver there. Um, village and a few uh, velos, which are the is that right? black okay. weavers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But anyway, there were we, and actually uh, you mentioned green pigeon. That's where we probably had perhaps our best views of African oh, uh, really? green pigeon as well. Yeah. There's there's you know the, the dock was somewhat wooded and uh, yeah yeah like uh, it's just a and there's like a yep. big mural with a shoe bill on it like that's right i remember that coming there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no other reason why you necessarily would come there unless right. you're like a fisherman there's a lot of fishermen that been through there too mm. um doing going after the same things that the shoe bills are going after almost probably certainly. so the lungfish. Mm. yeah all right so we'll go back to the uh random number generator okay here and uh we'll let bait decide all right our our choice 271 back down to the bottom oh speaking of weavers this one's a red-headed weaver. I don't necessarily remember this one. I'll be completely honest. No, so we should... Um, <laughs> this could be all weavers. We just talk about weavers in general. Y- y- yeah, so, so weavers... Um, I'm just going to back up here just for the, the benefit of folks who perhaps haven't been to Africa or, or you. Sure. So, so weavers are... Um, they're, they're, they're passerines. They're, they're songbirds. Um, they're sort of sparrow-like. They're, they're big, big-ish. Yeah, they, they, they look like a big sparrow for us in the U.S. Um, yeah. They're typically yellowish, although this bird is not so <laughs> not, not, not so yellowish. And um, they're famous for weaving these globular nests um, that are just exquisite. They are uh, just so perfectly constructed, rapidly constructed. And it seems like weavers are always weaving nests. It's like yeah. all they do is, yeah. is, is build nests. And they're quite a number of species of weavers. Some of the famous ones, in fact, actually, this this one is one of the well-known weavers, are, are quite easy to identify. But some of the others, especially the females, are quite difficult. They're very difficult uh, to, yeah. to, to to identify. But yeah, this particular weaver is just uh, glorious. It, it's uh, like kind of like a redheaded woodpecker with um, the entire, uh, you know, the, the the head, the the, the breast. I mean, it's, it's sort of red hooded. Uh, you, you could sort of say, uh, and then the rest of the bird is sort of your white and and, and yellow. So um, it's one of the uh, 
and I'm not sure how many weavers we saw, but it had to have been at least in the, the double digits. You could look yes, at my list and confirm that for me. Right. And double digits in combined weavers. Actually. Right, double right, right. Weavers that we both saw, actually. One. I, I'll talk a little bit about Village Weaver because I talked about yeah. it a little bit with the shoe bill. And you know, that is that is the kind of the generic everywhere weaver. Yep. But you know, like you could never really get over being in the presence of one of these one of these weaver colonies because it really is truly impressive. Like you imagine like a, a you know, a few weavers in a tree. It's not, it's the entire tree. Like yeah, these it's, massive it's trees, with, right. all weavers and every single branch on it has these little globular, uh, I don't know, like bigger than a softball. It's like almost yeah. like a, I don't know how how big it is. I'm yeah, trying to think a, of a, a big ball softball, yeah. a big softball. Yeah. yeah. Like a child's toy ball, like a right, kickball right. or something mm-hmm. size nest. And, um, you know, it's not just one species. Typically, there's three or four in there uh, in every in every colony. If you're you know willing to sit there and try and figure out and pick some out, but there's there's so, the colony is so busy and just this massive fluttering of of uh, of birds because when they're working on their nests, they don't like they're constantly moving. It's almost like a hummingbird or a ruby crown kinglet flicking of the wings constantly as they're working their way, and, you know, getting these twigs and working them into the the basket of their of their nest. It's just just energetic like just energetic i'll also say in this probably loud loud, thank you i was just gonna add add that that yeah it's just um you know sort of the proverbial can't hear hear yourself think they're just all chittering and chattering as they go they're so industrious and Mm -hmm. as far as i can tell they're they're fairly well behaved i don't i didn't really see much fighting or quarreling among them they're just busily tending their nests yeah, and there's a lot of um, other kind of species that are sort of in there too that use the weavers um, as sort of the core. I, I mean, I, I don't. But there's a bunch of um, weaver parasites, uh, parasitic right, birds right. that yep. nest parasites that that use weavers. Are a lot of the cuckoos and cuckolls mm-hmm. are specialized for certain species of weavers, and you know, it's just there's just a lot of activity, and it's just really neat to see. Yep. Hey, one quick comment on the, the the village weaver. Just there's there's so many weavers out there again, <laughs> but I, I, the village weaver looks like a. I guess a, your standard issue, yeah, African weaver, weaver, but but but, yeah. but it has this like demonic red eye. That's what I remember most <laughs> yeah. of all about the, yeah. uh, the the village weaver, just that staring garnet. Um, yeah, on the, on the a lot of weaver. them have that. I remember the Velot's black weaver has like a bright red eye, and the brown throated yeah. weaver has a bright red eye. I don't know what's the thing yeah. about the the bright red eye. I don't know. Some weavers have it, some weavers don't. <laughs> yeah. You saw orange weaver. I thought that one was it was kind of neat. Um, you know, they yeah. make a big deal about the only place you can regularly find them is at the Entebbe Botanical Garden. So that's where that I I recall seeing them pretty, or yeah. them, it might have been one, but, yeah. but anyway, yeah. I, I, I had a really good weaver. encounter with an yeah. orange weaver, yeah. uh, quite high up in the, the, the trees, but, you know, through through scopes and, you know, mm-hmm. we had a couple of scopes and binoculars, a perfectly good view. But yeah, that I, I have a strong recollection of that bird in Entebbe, on, actually on our last full day of birding, um, and that's the one that sort of sticks with me. Yeah. Yeah, same same with me. And one of the things about the Africa Bird Fair is that it's hosted right there in Entebbe. So you're at, you know, one of, I would argue, like one of the world's great birding spots. Yep. Entebbe and, 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 Botanical Garden. Thank you. I was just, just to be sort of technical about it. Yeah. So yeah. NH talking about the Entebbe Botanical Garden or gardens. I can't figure out if it's garden or gardens. It seems to be a lot of gardens there, but also one collective garden. It's kind of right. right. But yeah, so it's, um, it's within walking distance of the airport. I mean, it'd be a yeah. walk through town, although that's, that's kind of a fun walk to do, actually. And yeah, then once you're there, you um, you have tall trees and mm-hmm. open areas, so it's easy to see around and, and shrubberies and plantings, Lake and also shore. The, and the yeah. shore of Lake Victoria, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, you know, I was sort of distracted the several days that I was there because yes. I was involved pretty heavily in the um in the expo, but I 
can well imagine that you, you it's one of those places where you easily get a hundred species before oh, breakfast. Oh, in fact, we did. It, yeah. Um, well, I said before the, breakfast, but yeah, well, we yeah, okay. well one yeah, of the last right. days of uh, Rob Ritma, who is a, oh, yeah, sure. too, he was on the, he was on the trip with me as well. Um, we decided just to do an Entebbe big day and right. it was sort of a lazy big day too. It's like, not sure. like we got up early in the morning, the crack of dawn, mm. we were there by, mm. you know, eight 30 or so. Yep. We took like a hour and a half, two hour lunch break during the heat of the day and came back out in the afternoon. And we had easily a hundred and 109, 110 species, sure. right. um, on one, one checklist and yep. just like tons of really great old world families like Taracos and yeah. hornbills and the weavers, of course. And, and just some really iconic iconic old world species and afrotropical species and families and and also you know cool other stuff too like nile monitors and colobus mm-hmm. monkeys and all sorts of neat stuff kind of wandering around in a place that you wouldn't expect it necessarily we saw four and i'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name though but they, they, they were otters and i'm, I'm almost oh, yeah. glad to say like They're you know victorian spot, spot late victorian like that? that sounds right actually yeah, yeah. just a qu- quartet of them swimming around and, yeah you know, just and they're always just you know big birds like vultures flying over mm-hmm. um we saw a pair of uh, bat hawks uh oh, roosting, wow. yeah, um, yeah in a tree there and uh you know this was um i think right when the uh the bat falcon news was breaking uh in <laughs> Santa Ana. I thought, well, I'm not going to get to see the bat falcon, but I've got a bat hawk here and yeah. <laughs> and in Debbie. After two of them actually just were roosting there, and that was a uh, that was a full on twitch. Um, there yeah. were uh, yeah, scores of people uh, looking at that bird, and uh, not just the many folks who were involved in the um, the expo, but that just became a tourist attraction. I mean, the, the, yeah. people, people go to that park just. I mean, it's. It's sort of like Central Park. You just go there to mm-hmm. hang out or nice listen to music. Lawns, or, you can put, throw out a yeah, throw play, a play, play, play yeah, soccer yeah. or a blanket. And um, I would guess that hundreds of people saw those bat hawks when, oh, really? when we were there. Yeah. Ah, that's a cool bird. It's but it's what it's a weird it's a weird bird and not always easy to find. And so you definitely and it's and cool. the, to that's me so and I, I guess maybe I'm just on a bat hawk high having just seen the, <laughs> the, the bird, but it um it looks like sinister and like, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah. it, it, it seems like yeah. it, it could be Batman and Robin's, you know, logo bird or something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's mainly dark with this kind of weird white mask. Um, yeah. And um, it's, it's a, it's a really cool and sort of, sort of startling bird to behold. Yeah. And right, we're gonna, bats. Yep. Oh yeah. We move yeah. on. Yep, yep. <laughs> no, we can, I mean, we talk about bat hawks all, all day long, right. but I mean, I can't, I didn't see it, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we'll hit the random number generator once okay. and then we'll talk about some some mammals, maybe. Cool. Some other All right. stuff. All right. Random number generator. 107. Let's see what we got here. Back up well into the non-passerins. It is oh jeez. Um, it's Shikra. Oh yeah. Um, okay. which is uh, not not a super exciting bird. It's a very common old world tropics uh exhibitor that does basically, you know, Cooper's hot things. Um, but maybe we can use this as a jumping off point to talk about uh, talk about raptors, the raptors of East Africa, sure. just more generally. So, so uh, Shikra to me is a little bit of a like a wire-tailed swallow, um, yeah. randomly generated bird uh, as as well. It's a um, it's a bird. I don't know its exact distribution, but it's it's quite widespread. Uh, yeah. Not not just in not just in Africa, but uh, it's an exhibitor. Um, and I think we had just one encounter that i can remember anyhow yeah. them, you know i i recall a particular um shikra i'm not sure if the rest of the group did or didn't have them but um yeah it i mean it looks like a, a sharp-shinned hawk to me yeah. I don't really know they do that sort of thing like when you say. see them sometimes you see them perched but most of the time you see them just kind of buzzing by really fast chasing after something like a sharp-shinned or a mm-hmm. cooper's hawk yep it's, but, uh, yeah. but but it's it is kind of cool that that genus exhibitor um it, it is an exhibitor yeah. right? Yeah. It is an right? Okay. okay yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i mean, sure it looks like one uh, it, um yeah. uh you know is um widely encountered it's it's not just a uh 
a uh, an American genus or yeah. uh, you know a Western Europe and American genus. It's it's pretty much a, a worldwide genus. I, there's a I've lot, seen. yeah. There's a lot of cool um, African uh, occipiters. I think we saw I think we saw a couple of them. Uh, like Africa goshawk might have been one, but um, there's some other like cool ones like dark chanting goshawk, which is not yeah. an occipiter. Right. But um, very cool, kind of open country, long-legged, long-limbed bird. Mm-hmm. Um, lizard buzzard was one that was right. almost everywhere. Right. Uh, long-tailed eagle, sort of a red-tailed hockey sort of thing, just kind yep. of a right. roadside bird with its big floppy crest all over the place. Yeah, uh, flapping in the breeze. Um, lots of really cool stuff. Did, did you have a? Did you have any good vulture experiences? Because we had a couple of good vulture experiences. Yeah. So at Queen Elizabeth uh, National Park, we had one of those sort of, you know, legendary, you yeah. know, we, we, we weren't yeah, able to place. safely leave, get out of the vehicles because there were lions out there. But clearly right. something was dead. And it was just yeah. really, really cool to see uh, several species of vultures uh, dropping down. Um, I remember another encounter. I also, I think this was, this might have been at Murchison, actually, but where um, vultures, but then everybody was getting in the action. It turned out there was a, a termite emergence. Oh, really? Uh, so, oh, cool. so, so along with the vultures doing their thing, there were uh, several species of bee eaters and black kites. And just like, every bird was just in the sky um, at one time. But yeah, seeing the, uh, the old world vultures um, was special for sure. Um, they're just some of these great raptors, like, you know, the battler. Just, mm-hmm. It's just a, a striking looking bird. You mentioned Love that the, name. Uh, it's French, the for, French for dancer, isn't it? Oh, is and that it, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah would, and it's yeah. it's sort of evocative of the way that they sort of fly. They're so weirdly shaped. Like they have these big, broad wings and like practically no tail whatsoever. Yeah, but, and then and a big, it, long neck. It's like just a weird shape when you see them and they kind of teeter totter like yeah. a turkey vulture, but more so. They're, uh, yeah, they're I think, uh, yeah, um, Catherine Hamilton on our. Um, trip uh mentioned that they seem to fly backwards which i thought yeah. was a, a good oh, totally. way of, yeah. of looking at them but you know, I, it's, you know it's always i'm always wary of comparing and contrasting the avifaunas in different regions but yeah i i have to say though i think when it comes to ra- raptors and like viewable raptors yeah africa's just got oh you can't it's be got it. it's got it down yeah. I mean, we saw i mean just i mean even like relatively common things like you know palm nut vulture I and mean, that's a really cool bird we just cool bird. killer looks at like uh marshall eagle right along the uh, uh, we right, right along marshall the road eagle. yeah so it, but. um but and you mentioned lizard buzzard i mean that's a, a smaller bird but just like a, a red-shouldered really, hot kind of feel i, I you know here i am comparing things i'm comparing things to what <laughs> i know i obviously but um you know birds do similar things they fill similar niches no matter where you are so yeah, so I, I found that the uh, the kind of Aquila eagles are are a very difficult ID challenge. We're sort of fortunate in North America that we only have the one. Right. Um, you know, when you're trying to figure out Wahlbergs versus Sooty versus not Sooty, but uh, oh, Wahlbergs boot, versus Booted boot versus eagle, Step right, versus yeah. all yep. the things. That's that's really hard. There's some really cool weird ones like uh, Cuckoo Hawk. I remember. Yeah, Cuckoo right. Hawk. We got a good look at that one. It's a uh, that's hard to describe. I guess it looks like a a, a hawk, like a a cuckoo, but like wrapped in a hawk skin a little bit. Yeah, so it's got like the uh, I guess the plumage of an old world cuckoo. You know, mm-hmm. it's got that kind of like as um, it's kind of blue gray above and banded below, like a like a common cuckoo. And I, I mm-hmm. assume that's where the name comes from. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's a warranted assumption or not. I, yeah, yet. I think it's it's one of those things that it's a it's a it's a mimicry is what's going on there. It's like pretending to be a cuckoo so it can kind of sneak up on potential bird prey, which it eats for them. So, yeah. Neat. Just, uh, just one other, just since we started with the vultures, that that um that lappet faced vulture was. Uh, oh just, yeah, we did, saw did, did, one. It was a young yeah, bird. Yeah, yeah. We, we we saw several, including adults, and they're just they're really beautiful. I mean, I, I guess vulture and the word beauty don't always 
come together. Yeah. But the, the lappet face vulture is a really uh, stunning bird, really. Yeah, uh, it, that's the one with the biggest bill, right? That's the one that yeah. all the other ones have to wait around for on mm-hmm. a, at a kill to open yeah. up the open up the carcass. Right. So the, right all, yeah. The, the, the lappet face gets it gets it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, we'll we'll put the random number generator aside for a little bit. And let's okay. talk mammals just sort of briefly. Oh yeah. Um, there are a lot of great mammals in Uganda. Um, obviously the mountain gorillas, the primate experience is, is second to none. So many primates, um, but also a lot of hooved mammals too. We can, we can start, let's start with the primates a little bit. Um, how, how was your gorilla experience? Yeah. So the gorilla experience, and by the way, you know, I'm right up there with it, the chimpanzee, uh, yeah. experience. Um, it, it's, it's striking. I, you know, I, I will say, unlike you all, we were restricted somewhat in what we could do and where we could go mm-hmm. because of uh, the, the, the pandemic. But um, our um, guides, our, our porters got us really very, very, you know, as close to the animals as we could responsibly get yeah. to, to the animals. And um, we spent an awful lot of time in close proximity to a very large <laughs> primate. Uh, yeah. um, uh, I'm sure you recall this too, but the um, the trek to see the gorillas was um, was difficult. Um, so, but, 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 but I enjoyed I, it, actually. I, oh, sorry. Mine was really easy. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no. We, like we right behind the place where you start. Like oh, they were no, just no, hanging no. out right there. We spent hours going That's up wild. very steep and slippery trails um, huh. to get up there. And actually coming back down was even more <laughs> difficult. But, but actually, to, to me, that... Um, that was part of the the experience. I thought it was cool yeah. to actually have to truly do some serious trekking for the uh, for, for the gorillas. Um, I will go rogue on you here and say that um, in addition to the iconic um, gorillas and, and chimpanzees, a lot of the other uh, mm, non-human cool primates in, yeah. in Uganda really struck me. And I had just a, a shout out to my friend George Armistead who was there. Um, I really was taken by the uh, olive baboons, which uh, George couldn't stand. I guess he had had some um, <laughs> personal <laughs> trauma involving olive, are, olive yeah. baboons. But I, they I look like just, uh, if you combined a human and a dog, that's what, I, they, me, that's what their expression I, looks like. And, and I, I don't deny that. I guess mm-hmm. I'm talking about their... I don't know, their, their personality. I did. They, yeah. they had such chutzpah. We had they, one just yeah, riding, sure. riding our bus for a while. For, 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 for example, we just got up on the hood and was just, you know, cruising along <laughs> with us as we went. But um, also those vervet monkeys, I thought were just really mm-hmm. um, stunning to, to, to look at. So yeah. um, there's some also some just really neat kind of small, colorful monkeys that I wouldn't have expected to a red tailed monkey. Right. Um, really n- neat face with a bright white nose and a red tail and kind of, blue gray slate group blue gray all over just really neat looking um yeah and and, you know i i love i love the big mammals too um we did not get to see you know you get a a decent shot at the big five in Mm -hmm. uh in uganda but um i think we did not see the leopard but we did Mm -hmm. see um lions elephants giraffes buffalo no rhino we got all those and and, and, yeah yeah, right. No rhinos. We did have wow. leopard, um, yeah. which was was cool. Mm, I will say, by the way, again, going rogue here, that um, <laughs> my favorite mammal, and in fact, I'm sorry to say this, but my favorite organism and experience of the entire uh, trip was a roost of uh, straw-colored fruit bats. Oh, uh, so that's that's a that's, I saw your video of that. Yeah, that's that, cool. that's, that's a day flying bat. Um, they're they're huge. You know, they're yeah. I mean, they're not like these little dinky myotises that you and I have. They're, 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 they're like really big bats. And at the time, I remember we were debating whether there were thousands or tens of thousands of them coming off this day roost. And I actually talked to a bat expert and he said, oh yeah, you were at the roost that has a million of them. Uh, so so picture like a million animals, I don't know, the size of like you know, cats with you know, you know, yeah. house cats, um, not, not 
Ugandan cats, and you know the big wings to boot, and because they're um, diurnal and eat fruit, not you know uh, moths, they, they're they're loud, uh, which mm. is really cool as well. So um, yeah, that actually to me that experience of seeing thousands and perhaps up to a million i mean we yeah. didn't see them all I, it's at once, hard obviously. for me to it's hard to, for me to wrap my mind around a million of anything yeah and, I, I, and by the way lot. i don't mean to say <laughs> that we saw a million but there were tens of yeah. thousands of yeah. these Even really large like um uh, i think they're called like straw colored fruit bats yeah um, that was so that's striking. cool we saw a yellow winged bat that's the only bat that we saw too which is kind of a weird looking uh larger bat with yeah, it's got yellow wings or yep. yellow the webbing in its wings is yellow um yeah no, they're, they're wild yeah. They're quite yellow. That's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put aside the um, random number generator, and we can do yep. uh, one or two more. Um, we'll we'll see it where the, where the time takes us. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to focus on another one of the Uganda specialties mm-hmm. um, for those Ugandans who might be listening. Um, Sungreeb. Did you see yeah. Sungreeb? So you mean African finfoot? African finfoot. Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I was so thinking in my head that it was sun grebe <laughs> because they, they they look the same. They look very similar. Right. They're and the they're they're in the same is it order or family? Whatever. They're they're, they're the same. They're in the same related. The, the, yeah. the same taxon. Right. So for folks who know the the um sun grebe from uh, the the American tropics, this yeah. is um a, a similar bird. Yeah, um, yes, we we did have um a, some luck with with uh, I guess we had two. One in particular. Um, at um, Lakeumboro, uh, toward, toward, mm-hmm. I think. I think. That's okay, yeah, right, right. right. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it, it took it took some searching, and I don't think anybody got a uh, an eBird five star photo of the oh. bird, but uh, we got some four star photos. So yeah, there I mean, you, you know, I, I have several, you know, decentish photos of you know about you know eighty percent of the bird or the whole bird, but you know, sort of moving <laughs> and not yeah. not quite not not quite in focus. But um, yeah, that was an exciting bird that you know really I think uh, fired up the whole group. Uh, everybody yeah. really wanted to yeah, see the sure. uh, the African. African finfoot, not sungreeb. African finfoot. Yep. Yeah. So we, same, same idea, though. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It does the same thing. Kind of uh, floats low in the water and dives. Yep. And um, we 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 had some decent look at one, a female with the kind of cool pattern on the face um, that kind of uh, beached itself and started preening uh, on the shore. But it's a, it's a, it's another you know cool experience involving boats. Boats. Maybe there's a lot of good water birds in Uganda. Maybe that's the thing that they have. Um, but yeah, you're out there in this in Lake Mboro. And there's hippos like all over the place, and um, you know lots of cool kingfishers, weavers that nest in the papyrus nearby, and then you kind of hit these little coves, and hopefully there's a there's a finfoot in there, and yeah, I, I guess we both got lucky. You mentioned in passing uh, the, the, the hippos, and um, that's always been a favorite animal of mine. Actually, uh, in, hard not to was, love the hippo. Yeah, it's hard for me not to, but I, <laughs> I, are they one of the, are they considered one of the big five? I can't. Recall. I don't think so, just right. because they're to me so, like, yeah. they like. Totally should be one of the big five. They're yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 for, for, for my personal big, big five, but um, my recollection from a few years back in South Africa was it, we saw sort of like twos and threes. We saw like sixties and seventies. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the hippo gatherings were quite yeah. immense, and I, you know, I had this sort of grim thought, like, you know, what if they wanted to charge the boat or something? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious in, in saying that, but um, we had um, numerous sightings at, at multiple spots, not just like Lake and Borough, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, many, you know, actually many, multiple dozens of hippopotamuses, yeah. um, which was just yeah, so cool. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I don't know if they they told you the story. This was this was told to us by our, our guide, uh, Johnny Kamashiga. Um, and so, 
you know, if I'm, if I'm in, if I'm remembering this incorrectly, please, sure. anyone can feel free to uh, write in. But um, the hippos are like one of the big, like a big conservation sort of success story because back in the Idi Amin years, because Uganda obviously went through a very difficult time in the seventies with the dictator Idi Amin. Um, he would just like take his entourage up to the national parks and just shoot hippos like mm. indiscriminately with mm. automatic weapons to the extent that a lot of them were gone mm. um, after that. And they actually worked very hard to reintroduce them to places where they historically had been, uh, places like Lake Mboro. I mean, Elizabeth National Park also has a ton of hippos. Um, and like <laughs> Murchison, like they're everywhere. Anywhere where there's water, like there's yeah. hippos now. And they're, they're like, they took over, like they're doing great. And um, yeah, just a really great kind of local conservation success story. And a lot of what Uganda's conservation mission has been in the last two decades or so has been sort of uh, solving the problems caused by that those dark periods of, of dictatorship mm, sure, uh, in sure. the country um, when there was very little re- regulation on hunting like there might have been in other East African countries. Like, and so they're kind of building those animals back, putting them back in places where they historically were and kind of letting them letting them do their thing. I would say sort of broadly on that note, it's been now you know, 40 years since mm-hmm. what the, the time you're talking about. So, you know, cultures do do, do change, but mm-hmm. the um, just the general sort of uh, you know, national social concern for wildlife. And I don't just mean because of tourism and mm-hmm. the economic input, uh, the economic uh, uh, impact. Uh, just I thought just the general interest in wildlife was interest in and concern for wildlife was mm-hmm. was pervasive i we encountered that everywhere yeah yeah i think that's that's pretty accurate i mean it's hard not to you're living in a place mm-hmm. where there's just so much wildlife just so sure. right there yep. and see nature both as a professional avenue and as a personal passion i think that that was the case with a lot of the people that we worked with who were in the nature tourism industry there and I might just, again, these conversations, you never know where Nate and Ted are going to go, but uh, you know, just I, I will just mention in passing, and sorry if I'm stealing your thunder if you want no, to talk about this at it. the end, but no, just, just just quickly note that the, um, the nature-based tourism industry in um, Uganda is, is – is the real deal. I, yeah. I, I mean, young, young I people in, in, in particular, I think look to um, involvement in nature-based tourism as a, I, I say almost a lucrative. I mean, cer- certainly a, a, a perfectly respectable income and mm-hmm. lifestyle and career. And it's gratifying that whether you're a kid in the city or a kid in the country, um, that there is um, widespread interest, uh, of course, from tourists from abroad, uh, but also from um, just wildlife enthusiasts uh, in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa. And it's it's gratifying to see that, you know, in addition to wanting to go up and becoming an investment banker or whatever the current, you know, the, the, the current aspiration for an, a, a Zoomer in the United States is, you know, that, that, that being involved in wildlife tourism is a, um, a perfectly credible and very common uh, career aspiration. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it was great to be able to spend some time with the people who are, who are doing that and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, certainly promote that work that, they're, that Herbert um, Bayerunga and all of them mm-hmm. are doing. Um, I'm going to hit the random number generator. Okay. Random number generator one more time. Okay. And if it doesn't hit something I like, I've got a bird in mind that we can talk about. Okay, um, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. 204. Um, okay. <laughs> the problem with doing this random number generator thing is that there are large groups of birds that are sort of, I don't want to say not exciting, but they're they're very diverse. And there's just so many of them. 
And they're just not the sort of things you think about when you think about Africa. I've chosen a suspicola in case. I was, you know, I was, I was just going to say, I have a feeling you're going to be talking about a suspicola. Or a green bowl. And so is it in fact a suspicola? It is. It's Chubb's yeah. suspicola. Yeah. Well, actually, um, that's a creepy um, selection because I was actually going to, at the end, sort of ask you, like, was there kind of a bird that, like, isn't an iconic bird that was, like, really meaningful to you personally. See, I was going to choose Rock Prattenkull for that, which is also a really cool bird and a cool experience. So we can talk about Chubb's. So, so, well, actually, so Chubb's Cysticola, Cysticola, we we quarreled all the time about that, but yeah, that that, that bird. So they're they're, um, they're basically um, part of that huge polyphyletic mess of old world warblers. Yes. We call them Cysticolas or Cysticolas now. Um, And and I know this is going to sound crazy to you as if like Nate, like, you know, primed the number generator for that. But I'd say that Chubbs was like maybe one of my five like favorite birds in Africa. And and here's the reason. Um, It's this totally dinky little brown thing that, you know, it's hard to see. And it's one of the few birds that by the end, I feel like I had really um, mastered the field idea of including the vocalization. Uh, It has this, um, this, this ringing tripartite, da, 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 da. Um, I don't know, a little bit like a Carolina wren, you know, just to put it in in North Carolina. Acts uh, like a Carolina uh, wren too. Yeah. um, And so, 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 but, and it's not as colorful as a Carolina wren either, but yeah, Yeah, so, so Chubb's Cysticola, Cysticola, um, and and, and, so that's Chubb, the surname, C-H-U-B-B. Although it is a chubby Cysticola. And cysticolas do have kind of fanciful names that we, we, are, we, you know, we can talk about. Right. So, so, so some, some of my other you know, sort of favorite birds are like the trilling cysticola and the uh, winding cysticola. So those, those are zitting. Um, zitting, right? We saw several zittings and heard them. Um, so this one is actually named for a person, but it's Rattling, got a really winding. cool vocalization. So um, again, odd that you should have chose. I'm glad you chose a cysticola and I'm glad that you chose Chubbs. And it's one of the uh, sort of handful of kind of like really, you know, kind of drab colorless birds that to me uh i found it to just be endearing bewitching charming i really came to like that bird by the end and i felt kind of this like sense of i don't know like i don't know personal attainment that by the end of the trip i i, I knew that bird i knew its vocalization and I, I you know check back in with me 10 years from now but i have a feeling that if you quizzed me 10 years from now on the song of the chub cysticola i actually would still get it so. yeah it's a it's scientific name is a cysticola chubby which is adorable. Ah, that's excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's the one cysticola that I saw really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funnily enough, I'll, I'll tie to my mountain gorilla experience. We we had an easy time with the mountain gorillas, so we sent we found them pretty quickly. And you know, you get an hour with them, and so the whole thing was like two hours long because we didn't have to walk very far to see the see our mountain gorillas. So we ended up walking back from the gorilla place back to the lodge, which was quite nearby to the place where you meet to go on the mountain gorilla walk. We, we had split up into two groups. Half of the group had gone on a much longer mountain gorilla hike, and then we had the easier one. So we had some time to kill before the rest of the group came back. So we we're just kind of hanging out on the patio behind the, behind the lodge, um, mm. have, a, have a beer, uh, look at the birds, listen, see what's out there, just kind of what's passing by. Little Chubbs Sisticola came by and, mm. and sat up real high, real nicely. I got a real real good photo that for a long time was the eBird photo <laughs> on the eBird Birds oh, of the wow. World thing. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, so I have a, a nice little memory of, of Chubbs Sisticola, more than the other Sisticolas. You know, we saw, we saw so many of them, heard mostly. Well, I don't know right. that we saw as many as we heard. But um, yeah, so Chubbs Chubb Sisticola was a nice little, nice little Ugandan memory. So maybe it was serendipitous that uh, the random number generator hit on that. Excellent. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we we have we could talk. We could probably go through our entire list and have, talk about experiences with every one mm-hmm. of these birds. But um, even things like uh, pied crow and um, and uh, bank swallow, 
Um, yeah, but pied crow is a great bird. <laughs> Banks is also a great bird, but of yeah, course, they crows in the United States. Yeah, 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 no, right. yeah, no, the, the, the pied crow is a bird that I have to confess I probably took about as many pictures of as any other so, organism. Uh, in just Africa. in terms of a bank swallow, how many birds did you see on your Uganda trip that you had seen in North America? Yeah, previously? so the answer is very few. It, it was like five or six. Right. So um, I, I guess I knew what I'm about to say but didn't really appreciate it until um, I was reading a Noah Stricker's uh, account of his big year mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? Uh, Birding Without Borders, I think. Right. And he, he just has some you know s- statistics in there. Now, Noah's um, approach was that he was trying to see as many birds as possible in 365 days. Um, but he, he, he looked at the number of birds that he saw so he saw more than 6,000 species that year. He looked at the number of species that he saw both in the old world and the new world. And when I say old world and new world, I basically mean the Americas, Americas versus everything else. Africa and yeah. Yeah, everything <laughs> else. Um, and the overlap was microscopic it was yeah. like you know 75 birds or something yeah. out of 6,000 yeah. there are so few birds in you know, that are common you know yeah. like bank swallow they call it what, what uh, San, San Martin, Martin. San Martin yeah uh, in in the old world um so yeah the answer is very very yeah very it was few. like uh, great egret cattle egret bank swallow I can't think of anything else off the top. Ready turnstone. Ready turnstone. Yeah, barn swallow. Although it's probably a different species. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it yeah. was it was a quite a uh, small number of birds. In yeah, common. osprey, yeah. but that yeah. may be another species too. Right. right. I think IOC does. Anyway, anyway, yeah. We go. We <laughs> go on many different uh, tangents, but we have uh, we've gone almost an hour, and I don't want to wow. do too much of your time and and our listeners' patience. But mm. uh, <laughs> but I do want to thank you. Uh, Ted, uh, for for joining me here, and thank you, of course, to uh, Uganda and Herbert uh, Byrunga and all the people there for bringing us out five years apart, so we can yep. talk about that and uh, BirdLife Africa and and all that stuff. What is it Bird, African Bird Expo? So right, so so the um, the sponsoring you, event. You remember it, more? <laughs> well, yeah, I was there much more recently. So exactly. it is called um, the. Uh, let me get this right here. Now, the, the African Birding. Expo. That's right. Um, okay. you, were you were you in the first one or I might have been first or yeah, second. Yeah. And, and ours is the fourth. It was going to be annual, but of course they couldn't hold it last right. year yeah. because of the of, of the pandemic. But the event's called the African Birding Expo. Uh and then um Bird Uganda sorry. Bird Safaris Uganda <laughs> is, is the sort of like overlord sponsoring organization. And then you mentioned uh, Herbert uh, Biarahanga who Biarahanga, is sort of the uh, yeah is like the um like the uh, the impresario of uh, of birding in Uganda. So I mean, there are lots of other. Don't get me wrong. There are lots and lots of other fabulous birders um, in Uganda. In fact, two of his sons were uh, guides for us, which I thought oh, really? was really uh, cool. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Mark and uh, Davis. Um, but encountered uh, just great guides uh, everywhere. But yeah, the um, just a, a shout out here, and I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of Nate as well here to um, to the African Birding Expo. It was a a marvelous experience, just in terms of the natural history. And although we didn't have the time to talk about it, the um, the event itself, the the actual expo was really um it was stimulating but it's also sort of inspirational just to hear so many people talking about um in some ways challenges that aren't very familiar to me mm. but also sort of shared interests that really sort of i think united uh, people in very different parts of the world about as you know colorado and uganda are, I, they're not exactly on the opposite sides of the earth but <laughs> they're yeah, pretty uh, close to yeah. it actually so um it was just really wonderful to see so much in common but also to um encounter a lot of uh sort of uh, new perspectives as well for sure um yeah so so thank you ted thank you uh all the uganda folks and um yeah that that's well we'll, we'll do this again next time maybe if we uh, end up going to the same place we can do something other than uh, sure in or, north carolina or colorado but we'll do north carolina colorado again down or there. we can talk about uh stellar sea eagles or yes, something or like whatever. that so, yeah, whatever all right good stuff all, <laughs> all right. right well thanks for having me nate appreciate yep. it thanks
The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. You can support this podcast and all of our free resources for birders by supporting the ABA with your membership. There are many benefits like magazines, discounts to partners, opportunities to travel with us. You can get all the information at aba.org slash join. I do want to make some shout outs this week to Lucas Fralick of Gillette, Wyoming, Helen Bullgreen of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Michael Holsclaw of Auburn, California, Vance Edwards of Chico, California, Will McPhail, who is serving overseas, Richard London of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Lucianne Kennelly of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Liz Collins and family of Tacoma, Washington, Zachary Yeats and family of Sacramento, California, Eric Johnson and the Johnsons of Libertyville, Illinois, and Joanne Cobb, who I don't have a location for, but thank you anyway for joining. All of whom recently joined the ABA noted this podcast as a reason for doing so. Thank you so much. Welcome to the ABA. Technical production is by John Lowry, who thinks Crocbill is a much more appropriate and specific name for the bird we know as Shoebill, though Crocs are really only nominally shoes. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg Neese, who think it's unfair that all the world's amazing shoes are assigned to this one bird because if anyone deserves the name shoe bill it's a surf scoter whose bill looks like the original jordan ones you can find us online at aba.org and on social media at most everywhere is american birding association but on twitter as aba i don't know if this resonates with anyone but one of the best ways to tell apart the famously similar cooper's hawk and sharp shinned hawk is that the coop has a bill like a vans old school and the sharpie has a bill like a vans slip on but if you can't tell the difference then they are collectively a tony hawk I'm so sorry. Questions, comments, come to podcast.aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy, everybody. Till next week.